Good morning again, everyone. It is good to be together in the house of the Lord today as we are. And we didn't have Sunday school today. And my wife asked me when I was getting ready for this, do you have something for the children? I wasn't sure. But I want to ask you kids this morning, how many of you kids are familiar with the Winnie the Pooh series stories? Nobody? Come on. Raise your hands. Okay, we have quite a few. Okay, now I'm going to ask you, who was the character that was always afraid of everything? Piglet. Yeah. Who was the guy who was always positive and optimistic? Tigger. Okay. Who would you ascribe as the blessing counter? Who was always optimistic and excited about everything? Tigger. Who would always be worried about everything? Piglet. I want you kids, I want you to t- take this, uh, just imagine this. Are you more like Piglet or more like Tigger? Just a thought. And I'll refer to this later on again. This morning we are in our Advent series and their fourth message. The first message we preached on this was Phil Ham spoke on the genealogy of Christ and why it was important that a Jew was able to trace their history back to David and to Abraham. If you were going to be recognized and accepted in the Jewish culture as a good Jew, you had to be able to prove, I am a Jew and son of so-and-so, of so-and-so, of so-and-so, of so-and-so. And Matthew traced it right back. Jesus' genealogy through Mary, right back to King David and right back to Abraham. And there were some very colorful people in that genealogy. Some people were not all that good. Some people had problems. It was important. Mary wrote that down. It was very important. The second Sunday we talked about how Mary was given the assignment by God to be the mother of Jesus. Not in the sense that she had a relation with a man, but God said, you're going to be the one who's going to give birth to the Messiah. And Mary had that assignment. And it was a difficult Assignment because Mary was a virgin and she was betrothed and she had a boyfriend and, and she was going to get married. And so, ooh, this is going to be a big change in plans and so on. She had to deal with that. And, and her response was, um, let me just put it on the, I think you guys have it in the back there. Um, the, uh, the verse out of Luke chapter 1 verse 38, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She just gave, it, gave herself to Christ. And so that was her stance in all of this. And then last Sunday, we heard Joe Penner speak on how God worked in the heart of Mary's fiancé, Joseph, because he now had to all of a sudden deal with the situation. Okay, my girlfriend's pregnant. What happened? And he, and if you, if you listen to writers or, or speakers, and there's one writer I've been getting fascinated with a little bit. He's a historian as well. He's passed away now, but he's written some books. And he, he talks about that. The Greek word says when Joseph considered this. If you, if you study that Greek word, it, it means a number of things, but one of the meanings is he wasn't happy about it. In other words, he was upset about it. And wouldn't you? I mean, come on. If your girlfriend's pregnant, okay, something's going on. And so that was naturally his response. Got to divorce her. Got to, and that's how an engagement would be broken with a divorce. He wasn't asked. He wasn't consulted with this. And so he was just given the option of got to do this. And, but before he gets to the divorce part, he... Um, gets a visit by an angel, and he's a righteous man, and the angel explains to him what's going on. Okay, and then he steps, he, he keeps going, God steps in, he keeps going, and everything's okay. But today we want to look at a little bit of a different angle of this whole story. And I would, I would encourage you, if you, if you possibly can, come back Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock, we're going to continue, we're going to wrap it up. But this is an awesome story that we're going to talk about today. It's about Mary's heart. Where was her heart in all of this? Where was Mary's heart in this whole picture? 
And I want to ask you this morning before we begin, where's your heart? Oh, my heart's right inside. Yeah, I know that. You know that. But where's the inner core of your being today? Where is your heart now? Is it at home worrying and preparing about Christmas and all the things that could go wrong and might not work out and hope so-and-so comes and wonder about this situation, that situation? Where's your heart this Christmas season? Where was Mary's heart? Of all the places it could have been, innumerable places, it was in the right place. You see, folks, this is the core issue. This is the heart of the matter. At the core of our being, where are we? There's the longing, the desiring, the rejoicing, the grieving, the wishing, and all that. When things go right or when things go wrong, this is it. Where's the heart? Of all the things that could have filled Mary's heart, the questions, we're not told if there were. They were peripheral if there were any. But she focused on the blessing. And if there's anything you remember this morning, if you forget everything I say, please remember this. Focus on the blessing. Focus on the blessing. If you forget everything else, remember this. And for you kids, are you going to be Tigger or Piglet? Piglet always said, year. No matter how, try, how hard he tried to be positive, I, I must not be afraid. He was fearful in saying he shouldn't be afraid. And some of our hearts are like Piglet, always worrying and fretting and what's going to happen next. What's, and some of us are eternal optimists. That's just a children's story, I know. But Mary focused on the blessing of what was going to take place. She did not focus on all the what-ifs and the what-abouts and the yes-buts and so on. She focused on the blessing. And then what was in Mary's heart comes out in what she says. Often people say, oh, I believe in God. I trust in him. But then their actions send a completely opposite message. What Mary said and what Mary did lined up. It fit, hand and glove. It revealed where her focus was. She focused on the blessing. The truth about life is this, what our hearts are full of always comes out in one way or another, sooner or later. I remember years ago, looking at a cartoon book, I love cartoons, there was this cartoon, old cartoon, of of a western cartoon, a cowboy and his family are going on a trip, they're going on a vacation. Just a pencil sketch and a little quote and a little blurb underneath. And so here's this cowboy, this rancher, driving his car down the road, and you can just see the car driving down the road, and it's a dusty road. And, and he says something like this. He says, I don't remember exact words, when something like this, he says, I sure enjoy our vacation. Wonder if I close the north gate. Sure hope the cows have enough water. Hope there's enough grass in the south pasture field. I hope I didn't forget to. And so on and on he was going like so he was on vacation. Where was his heart? His heart was at home on the ranch. His heart was at home in the pasture field. His heart was at home in the barn. That's where his heart was. His body was on vacation, but he wasn't. So I want to ask ourselves as we go into the story of Mary this morning, where's your heart? And that makes all the difference. Where your heart is makes all the difference. It's a fact of life. Life is full of risks. Things go wrong. Things don't turn out the way they should. Things don't happen that should happen. Things that should not happen do happen. And so we get so caught up in the the details, we forget to enjoy the blessing. We forget to enjoy the blessing. But you say, I can't help it. Of course you can't. You're not trying to deliberately, intentionally derail your blessings 
But I have news for you. You're not the first one who can't help it. But that does not make it good. I'm not saying you're lost. You're a disciple of Jesus, perhaps, but you're still, you're saved, and, and, all, and that's all good. But God never called you to a life of misery, loneliness, and fear, and discouragement. Focus on the blessing. I know I could be preaching just to myself. Ask my wife. No, don't ask her. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And this convicted me as I was preparing for this. Maybe you have to go through a trial, a time of testing, but keep focusing on the blessing. That's what Mary did. And so with that, we want to begin reading out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and on. Before I read, let me just say this. Remember now that Mary has gotten the news. She knows she's going to be pregnant. She knows she'll have a baby. She knows if she's supposed to get married. She knows her culture. She knows her traditions. She knows the community. It could go bad. But that's not what she focused on. In fact, there's a little bit of the story we're not going to read because of time constraints on Sunday mornings. If you back up a little bit, which we won't, won't do this, but if you back up a little bit in the story, the angel tells Mary, your old relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. She's six months pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And then Mary goes and visits her. And she goes, I'll just, I'll talk about this more on Tuesday, but she goes south into the Judean territory, and then the hill country of Judea, there's a town, and that's where Elizabeth lives. That's maybe close to Bethlehem, in fact. So if you want to know more, come back Tuesday, but, and we'll explore that more. But So Mary goes and visits her old relative Elizabeth and stays there for three months. And again, I'll talk more about this on Tuesday. But for now, let's just focus on Luke chapter 1, verse 46. This is Mary's words. Let's, let's read this. Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation." He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped to serve in Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. That's Mary. Those are her words that she speaks when she visits Elizabeth and they meet. Amazing. She was in a very special time of life. I'll back up just a few steps here in her life. Remember she was engaged. What do engaged women think about? Any volunteers? The wedding. It's a big deal. And I don't blame them. What was Mary focused on? Wedding parties in that day and age were bigger and better than ours are now. I'm not saying you should go spend more money. What I'm saying is, think about what Mary was dealing with. Wedding parties were great in that day, about a week long or so. I think we're catching up slowly. but. And then the angel announces to her, God's going to give her a baby, and that's all a huge deal. And this is her discussion. I mean, this is her comeback. This is her expression. It... And so it reveals where her heart was. As I mentioned earlier, the passages prior that we read, she visits Elizabeth, and we're not told exactly all the details why she went. Uh, of course she wants to visit, but what's all in, we don't, don't know for sure. There's another thing I want us to pick up on this. Remember or pay attention to what she's saying 
What Bible school had she been to? Where had she gotten her information about God and history and, and the Savior of Israel and all generations? will call? What had happened to her? In that day and age, young children, boys from age five and older, were sent to school to be trained in, in the ways of Israel and the ways of the law and the teachings of the law. They had to memorize the Torah, the first five books of Moses, all that stuff. Boys had to learn. But writers say, now I, I'm not a historian, a, a trained guy in this, but histor- writers say that for girls, this would have been non-existent. Girls learned at home. And so they would, they would, they would be taught by her mother, the housekeeping jobs and all that stuff that pertains to housekeeping. Last Sunday we had a picture of maybe she was, knew how to do laundry. Whatever the case may be, Mary would have been trained and taught in all those ways. But as again, one of the writers and the speakers I listened to recently said, the way those people passed on history, they didn't have entertainment like we do. They didn't watch television and, and Netflix and that stuff. They had gatherings. They would gather in the evenings and they would talk with each other and they would share the stories and share the stories and share the stories and share the stories. They would become so repetitive, they all knew them and they would be passed on orally from generation to generation. And the lifestyles, I'll talk about this some more on Tuesday, but the practices, the traditions, even today, and when this was written, it was the 1950s and later, from thousand years before Christ till even today in some of those older isolated villages, some of the traditions have never changed. So Mary was well taught, well educated in her own history. She knew her history. Just a little side note here, folks. It is important that we know where we come from. I love history. I love teaching men history. But it's important that we know where we come from. We, know, we need to know the history. Mary knew her history. And she expresses herself and she begins with worship. She says in verse, uh, the, the last part of verse 46, if we can put down that on the slide, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. That's her starting point. That's the starting, the point of reference from which she comes. That was where her heart was. She was focusing on the blessing. If there were any fears, they were so small and so peripheral that she didn't even mention them. The next one says, verse 8, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Wow! A young virgin, a Jewish young virgin, not having gone to seminary, growing up in a small town, what was she thinking? She was looking far into the distant future. She could see ahead what was coming, what this would bring. And she said, all nations will call me blessed. A single Hebrew woman engaged to be married would have had other things to think about had she so chosen. If there was any sense of risk in her life, was so peripheral, she didn't even mention it. One of the ways to focus on God's blessing is to look long-term at our present situation. So let me just ask us this morning. Does what's happening to me today now help prepare me for long-term benefit and growth? How do I view life? Do I view it from a constant point of reference of fear? Okay, what if, what if, what if? There are many stories of people who have denied themselves pleasure, security, Wealth, 
popularity, for causes they believed and entrusted that making the sacrifice today would ensure for future generations a benefit which they wanted to contribute to. But we live in a very piglet society. Always worried, always fearing. Do we think of distant times ahead when we, when we make choices for today? What will my grandsons think, my granddaughters think 20 years from now if I do this today? What will my great, great, great grandchildren think if I do this today? Those are thoughts. Let's face it, we live today in a very shallow-minded culture. Just look at our social, moral, economic landscape. A lot of shallowness going on. Mary was not blind to what she was facing. No, she didn't have a man. Yes, what would people say? But she didn't focus on the here and now. She focused on the future. A truth and a reality that Mary understood and believed was this. This life is far more than just the here and now. Like one speaker said in one of his sermons, he said, Our life extends far beyond the here and now, and it comes from farther back than just the here and now. It is a, it's a strand in a much bigger fabric. She says in verse 49, she says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It's kind of like in a circle. She comes back to the blessing of what God has done. She recognizes God's mercy in all of this. Not because of what she earned. She mentions his mercy. And it's from generation to generation. She just immerses herself completely in the reality of God's grace and his goodness. And she mentions this as an ongoing thing. And she says in verse 51, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Who was in power? The Romans. Who was charging taxes? The Romans. Who do they have to fear? The Romans. But she looks past this. This is a done deal. In Mary's heart, the victory was already won. The battle had been decided. It is said the greatest battles are fought not on the battlefields, but in the mind and in the heart. That's where the battle is lost and won far before and sooner than it's ever carried out in the battlefield. If we lose it here, we'll never win it there. There's the in and the out. Those who are in and those who are out. Those who reject God will not experience the relationship of his blessings. The proud and the arrogant, the self-sufficient, they will be scattered. A simple little word picture that I sometimes think of when I think about stuff like this is a picture of a mother bear and her cubs. They may be ever so small and cute and innocent, but don't get in the way of the mother. If she senses her little darling cubs are threatened, woe to anyone and anything that gets in the way. She knows exactly what she has to do, and she will protect and defend her cubs. God is a jealous God. He often allows hardships and trials and testings which we do not understand, but only so far and no further. Mary understood this. Mary knew they were oppressed by the Romans. Mary knew that life wasn't easy. They were paying horrible taxes. Herod was an evil king. Pilate was not a good guy. The Romans were brutal. They were cruel. She knew all that. She looked past it, what God was going to do, what God was doing. And she's focusing on the blessing. And she celebrates. 
I said a few Sundays ago that the very thing this world is pushing so hard is the very thing God sent his son to rescue us from. And that's all the self-focus and all the stuff that this world's trying to push on us that will never satisfy us, will never make us happy. That is true. You see, this world would like us to believe we must make it. We must accomplish. We must achieve. From God's standpoint, if we're in relationship with him, we have achieved. We have accomplished. We have finished it. That's all that matters to him. We're never commanded to be powerful. We're never commanded to be rich, to be famous, to be popular, to be respected, to be honored. Quite the opposite. Jesus says, in fact, if you're going to follow me, here's some of the problems you'll face. But be of good cheer, I've won the battle already. I just read recently how in, in China, there's a group of pastors. I don't know how many there, there are. There's quite a number of pastors who have, have uh, done something very fascinating. They've come together and they have analyzed and evaluated the circumstances they're facing because they got, the communist government is cracking down on churches that are not registered with the government. And so they want to be independent. They want to be free, which they should be. And so they have decided we're not going to go for this. And they have pledged and signed a document stating that they are willing, if need be, to die for this. To suffer, to go to prison, and be killed if this is what it calls for. You see, they've already won the battle. At that point, when you decided this is what we're going to do, you've signed it, you've committed to it, you're in. I find that encouraging. See, us as followers of Jesus, the problem comes when the temporal, the temporary, the material things become the overriding things, the factors in life. That's the point where we lose the blessing. When we want to be in control, I have to do this, and if I won't, they won't, and so on and on and on it goes. Let me just say it this way. The harder we try to fill ourselves with the things of this world, the emptier we become. The more we try to satisfy those inner cravings and longings of this life, the lonelier we get. The faster and busier we run, work harder, the more pain we just create for ourselves. And that's why Mary can say what she does. He fills the hungry but sent the rich away empty. She's not talking about dollars in the bank. I mean, it could be those. Those people are included, but that's not really what this means. There are those who see their need for Christ, their need for grace, their need for mercy, and they'll be filled. But then there are those who don't need, they're self-sufficient, I can do this, I'm, on, I'm my own self-made person from a human standpoint. They view themselves as being self-sufficient. They will go away empty, she writes, she says. Let's go to read verse 54. It says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She's looking back. She looks forward And she looks back. Quite the theologian, I would say. She knew her history. She did not have a clue what really was going to happen eventually. Did she know Herod was going to try to kill the baby? I don't think so. Did she know at age 12 she'd be hunting for him and finding him lost? She lost him and and Joseph and Mary. Where's our boy? Where's our boy? He's in the temple. Oh, okay. They found him there. She did not know those things. But that was not the point. The point was, she knew what God had promised Abraham, that through him all nations would be blessed. She had her theology. She she had her history. She knew that this promise was for eternity. She knew that. And she embraced it and enjoyed it, regardless of what the circumstances were around her at that time. She did not know 
that Jesus was not going to restore a physical, geographical, political, social kingdom. No good God-fearing Jew, I think, knew that at the time. Even Jesus' disciples got it all wrong. They were with him for three full years and got it wrong. Read Acts chapter 1. But we cannot fault them for that. All they knew is God was going to come to their rescue. He was going to build a kingdom. And God wanted to build a kingdom, but a kingdom of the heart and of the soul. A kingdom that would transcend the boundaries of politics, of power and language and culture and finances. It had nothing to do with that. It was a universal kingdom of the heart, relationship with God our maker. And I don't think Mary had the full knowledge. I'm just saying what I think. But she knew God was up to something. Mary focused on the blessing. So to wrap this up this morning, what does this matter for you and I today? These stories that we read in the Gospels, they are history, as the Bible is a history book, for us to read, to learn from, and to apply to our own lives. So here's the application for us today. Do you and I have less reason than Mary to focus on God's blessings in our lives? Do we have less reason than she? I would say not. I'd say we have even more. Because she didn't know the full scope after Pentecost, after the Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, that's when Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit indwells every believer today. You and I, everybody who calls on the name of Christ. This Advent season, so let me ask you, where is your heart? Are you focusing on the blessings? Is your heart at peace with Jesus Christ? Or is the Christmas season a hectic season? I wish, oh, I wish it was over. I can't wait till it's over. It's, it's depressing. It's discouraging. It's expensive. I can't do it. I wish there was never another Christmas. Does that describe you? Satan would love it if it is. Or are you an optimist and a, and a, and a positive person? You know what? God is giving us another chance. God is giving us another opportunity. It's Christmas season and we're celebrating the birth of Christ and we're going to spread the blessing. We're going to spread the good news. You can't pour clean water out of a dirty cup. So if we're going to pour out the blessing, we have to let the blessing pour in first. The blessing is when you and I are at rest in our heart and at peace with Jesus. So how's your heart this Christmas? Where's your heart this season? I hope not in the material stuff that's found in all around us. I mean, it's not sin to buy presents. Go ahead and buy presents, but that can't be the point of reference. That can't be the, that can't be the focal point. So allow Jesus into your heart this Christmas. And I would encourage you to come back on Christmas Day on, on Tuesday and we'll talk more about Christmas Day and how the blessing came and we talk about the birth of Jesus. And the, the story is so rich in heritage and culture and tradition that we miss so much of it. This one writer I'm reading, he says, we've westernized the story with our materialism and our shallow thinking. And yes, I mean, it's not all sin, it's not all wrong, but we get so much of it wrong, we lose so much of it. I'll talk about more of that on Tuesday. So I invite you to come every day. Come to Jesus with an open heart. Let him fill it. He wants to, his spirit is inside of us and share the blessings. There's a song we sometimes sing, and I don't know we don't sing it much in this church, or maybe it's because it's an old song, but I'll just quote a verse of it. And it's called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. You know the song. Most of you know that, I guess. And it says, um, I'll read the last verse. Just the last verse I'll read, and then then we'll pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, 
Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. That's all I'll read. Be born to us today. Mary knew about that. Mary had that in her heart. She had this blessing. It's free for everyone who wants it. So for this Christmas season, let us focus on the blessing. Bow with me. Lord God, we're thankful for your grace to us. The blessing of the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It is far bigger and better than we can ever begin to imagine. But the the image, the picture, the symbolism is dulled by this world, the stuff we face every day. And we we somehow lose track. We're like uh, cartoon pictures full of fear and and trepidation and hesitancy and hesitation and wondering and worried, is this going to work? Is that going to work? And have we done this and have we done that? And Satan tries to rob us of the joy. And I pray that we would not allow that this Christmas. I pray for grace, I pray for mercy in the hearts of everyone here this morning, that we would go forth from here with encouraged hearts. We have so much to celebrate. Yes, there's maybe pain, there may be loneliness, but your grace and love overrides that. May you be born in us today. In Jesus' name we pray.